Hey, hello everyone, and welcome to episode two, paratalk.org. My name is Sean Simons, PPG Grandpa, and you can always get me at ppggrandpa.com. That's where I post all of my videos about me getting started in this wonderful sport called paramotor. And if you are out there listening to this podcast, you've probably heard of the other podcasts that are out there that are very similar to this, but a little bit different. We have the Paramotor Podcast, Ask the Aviator, Cloud-Based Mayhem, Paramotor Nation, and now you have paratalk.org. The difference between them and us is that, well, I want you to be the host. I want you to interview people out there. Send me the audio and it will be posted here on paratalk.org. This is for the people, by the people. I don't want to be the host on everything. There's no way I can interview everybody that's really interesting out there, but I bet you can. So if you find somebody that has a really interesting story about Paramotor, well, definitely send me that at ppggrandpa at gmail.com and we will get that on this paratalk.org. Now we also have another cool organization out there that we're starting, it's called iloveppg.org. It is going to be kind of like a Facebook for all the newbies, the wannabes, and the paramotor pilots that are out there. And if you want to sign up now, definitely sign up now because we're gonna have different tiers in the future, but if you sign up now, Everything that we do in the future that may cost something, it'll be free to you, of course. We're also going to have ppgforums.com, fitnessforflying.com, and this can be really cool. Now, a lot of things that I do will have affiliate links, so that's my full disclosure. So anything down below or in the description might be affiliate links. Nine times out of ten, it's actually cheaper for you but we get a kickback, so it helps support the show, and we totally appreciate that. We're going to have a Patreon in the future and other ways of you guys helping out if you want to, and we totally appreciate that. If you're new and you have not picked up a PPG Bible, go to ppgbible.com and pick yourself up a brand new or possibly a used Power Paragliding Bible by Jeff Goen. He is the one that has all the knowledge and I have learned, I tell you what, my PPG Bible is wore out completely because I must have reread that thing like 10 times. I've been doing this since I would say actively April of 2019 and I got my first tandem flight three days after my birthday on June 13th, and I was hooked completely. I got a wing from my instructor that he allowed me to use and practice kiting for a couple months before I bought my own, and now I got a Roadster 3, which is pretty awesome. It's a B-wing, and I know when I first started, I was like, man, I want an A-wing because I want to be completely safe. Well, this Roadster 3, is very solid. It feels like when I'm up in the air, it feels like I'm being strung up from the ceiling. It, it's so solid. So I, I've never flown an A-wing. I bet that's even more solid. I, I Honestly, I can't imagine it being more solid. And we'll talk more about wings and motors and stuff in the future. But uh, anyway, I want to get on with the show because we talked with Kyle O of Kyle O School of Paramotors. 
and he has a wealth of information. And we talked today about newbies and should you self-train? What kind of training do you need? Uh, what are some of the things that you can do uh, in school? What, what kind of stuff do you need to learn? I mean, flying is easy. You, you get the wing above your head, you smash the throttle, and you're in the air. You know, right brake, right turn, left brake, left turn. Pretty darn easy. Come in for a landing, hands up until you're almost there, and you flare. But the big thing is, like, weather. You know, it's like the weather patterns. Should you go fly? What are the winds of loft? Um, temperature, time of day. So those are the things that you really need to learn in school. Flying is easy. Self-training, probably pretty easy. But how about airspace? You know, how close are you supposed to be flying to that airport? Can you fly out of an airport? What kind of pattern do you need to use? How about frequency and talking to the tower? So there's a lot of things that you really need to learn at a school. So if you do self-teach, which is perfectly fine, I think, you need to get to a school to learn the, the big things airspace, weather, how to fix your paramotor. And there's other things that you need to know that you don't know because you don't know. And I didn't know that until recently. Anyway, on with the show, Kyle O, School of Paramotors. What are some of the things that newbies do that they shouldn't do? Pretty much like we talked about with the wing. You know, they try to kite by learning off the internet, but they should actually have a trainer. Uh, what, what, what are some of the things that you think that newbies should should do? Well, they should slow down. Every, every newbie I've ever seen that's ever messed anything up, it was because they were rushing. They were, they were trying to do something too quick, you know, try a new move without thinking it through, you know, hitting the gas and not hitting the brakes on the glider, just, just trying to move too fast. And that, you know, it goes back to an old saying, a, an old pharmacist taught me. I told him one day that I was hurrying. We got busy at the drugstore. And this was long before I was even a pharmacist. And he said, whoa, there, son, slow down. He said, the only thing you're going to do is hurry up and kill somebody. And uh, it's like, oh, he said, go as fast as you need to go, but never hurry. And and that's probably the biggest mistake I see new guys doing, whether they're by themselves or under instruction or otherwise, is they're trying to rush. They're trying to trying to do too much, too quick, and and it's you know it's a bit overwhelming. And again, depending on what we're trying to do, most of the time you see it when they finally get it all together and they're. They're attempting to launch a motor or do their first few landings, things like that nature. They'll they'll fumble. They'll fumble because they're trying to do something they should have waited on. Well, whether it be flaring too early or hitting the gas too soon before they get the glider stable or or whatever it is, jumping in the seat because they're ready to trying to rush the flight instead of letting it happen. But just letting things move at the speed they need to move is what needs to happen. But that's probably the biggest thing. If there was one thing, that'd be it. Is that they they try to rush it, or they buy gear before they know what they even want to get. That's another thing. Again, it all boils down to having some patience, and I'm guilty of it myself, not having enough patience to wait. Even if I'm, like say say it's a where it finally came up really for me. I was on a mountain one day, and I was just trying to pull the glider up and make it work, and 
And it was Britton who was standing over the side, of course. And he said, Kyle, just, just stop. He said, just wait. So just wait for a proper cycle to come through and use it. I was like, damn, you're right. I'm trying to pull my wing up in this garbage. And of course it looks like garbage because I'm just, I'm just trying to, to launch so that I could launch. Cause I was trying to hurry up and launch. And again, I sat there for about a minute and all of a sudden I noticed the wind was beautiful. I pulled the glider up. It looked like a pro golf swing, you know, I just pulled it up, turned, smoothly launched off the mountain. And I was like, damn, man, that's where it's at. It's having some patience. And, and that's, Ever since then, I've always tried to push that, you know, just having a little patience about whatever it is you're doing, whatever aspect that you're focusing on, just just to stop and let and let what needs to happen happen. That's probably your biggest takeaway from what I see new guys doing or even experienced guys for that matter. It's, it's when they're rushing when things mess up. Now, you are an instructor. Tell me about your school and... and what you do over at the Kylo School of Paramotoring? Well, we teach people to fly. <laughs> the short of it. We, uh, yeah, it's tailored. It's a tailored training program. Students come in. I keep the tuition on the cheaper side of things. It's uh, $1,500, all the gear included. And they come in and we, we see where they're at. I get people that have actually had some experience. I get people from other schools that have been through training, but were not happy with the instruction that they got and wanted something more. So they come down here and take the course again. And, you know, by that time, they, they know some things, how to clip into the glider, you know, where hopefully they do anyway. <laughs> and uh, we start, we start from scratch, you know, wherever you're at, we go there and make sure that, you know how to take the gear out and clip it on. You know how to pick a good spot. You've got some some idea about how the wind works and weather. And if you don't, we cover all those basic fundamentals first and then go from there. You know, ground handling technique, how to forward launch, how to, how to clip in forward, how to clip in reverse. You know, ground handling, kiting. Make sure that you're 100% making the right moves forward and reverse. Not that you have to be some sort of artist with it, but you do have to be making the right moves. And once I see that somebody is not putting in the wrong moves, then I know they're ready for their first flights. And then at that point, we'll either do tandems, toes, or motor taxiing, and maybe all of the above, maybe one of the above. It just depends on what conditions we're being dealt. Um, if conditions are good for towing, we'll do tow launches. And there's a whole classroom thing that we do before that happens. And uh, motor, we, we go through a whole motor thing, how to set up the motor, hang station checks, throttle exercises. Make sure that everybody's comfortable with getting in and out of the seat before they even attempt to do a, a taxi or a launch or anything like that. I want them comfortable with, you know, how to operate the throttle. I want them comfortable with kiting. I want them comfortable doing those two things together, a motor that's running and kiting at the same time so that it's not something new when it comes time to fly. It's something that they've experienced and they don't have that extra bit of anxiety because they've got this, this motor on their back. It's running. There's propellers spinning. There's a throttle in their hand. You know, it's a lot of stuff happening at once. And then actually you have to, you know, have the wherewithal to do proper kiting at the same time to make a launch successful. So if you take little bites and do it in little steps, it seems to work out real well for people. And again, the only time I see them mess it up after that is trying to rush it. 
and and if I can keep him, if they can hear me talk, I can talk them through it. I can keep them from rushing into that next thing, and uh, you know, put the brakes on for them. Whoa, whoa, don't turn around yet. You didn't have your glider straight. You know, things like that. And uh, you know, I see people pull up a reverse and say it's leaning over twenty degrees, and they go turning around like they're fixing to go, and the glider's all crooked. You know, you got to stop them before they hit the gas, or that'll end in a crash or a wreck or a you know a grass stain. So there's, but it's different for everybody. Some people don't progress as fast as others. So there's no time limits at the school. They can they can take as long as they need to. Some guys are ready to fly on their first day. It's rare, but I've had it happen. They can kite. They've got full control of the glider. Whether they've had experience or not, it varies. But some guys are ready, and you know we if they're ready, we'll we'll talk about it and maybe do a flight. And if we've got time to, to squeeze in all the proper things beforehand, then we're good. Some guys never do. And, again, that's also a rarity, but it's a fact. If somebody does not exhibit control of the glider, we, we never go to the next step where, you know, we don't want to skip steps. We want to do everything in a certain order and make sure that those fundamentals are solid before you take that next bite. Because if you bite off more than you can chew, then you can't chew it, much less swallow it. So. You know, but if you take it in little bites, make sure it's chewed well and swallowed properly. You know, you're not going to choke yourself. You're not going to die from it. So that's the way I run the school, and I've had a I've had a pretty good success rate doing it. So I don't have any hard numbers. I don't I don't even keep track of it. I just I'm here for the students. You know, if somebody you know is here for a week and they want to go practice, or they got to go back to work, and then they come back again six months later. We just pick it right back up and go from there. And it's, uh, you know, and the reason, I, another reason I did it that way is you're not just learning something in a week and then heading out into the wild blue yonder. It's a lifetime of learning. You're constantly learning. You're constantly honing the skills. So, but there's something to be said for having an instructor around for those basic fundamentals. And, and it really helps you push through quickly. You know, you get some good conditions, a good teacher, and you put in some good work. Uh, on average, we have people flying on their third or fourth day. And then they're flying almost completely unassisted by the end of the week or the end of a week or two. You know, again, it's variable. Each each pilot has their own progression rate, and we just tailor it to that. You know, if you're ready to do the next thing, you do it. And then there's the days that are not flyable and are not good for training. These are your blowouts, your rain days, things like that. We'll do ground school. We do airspace classes, weather classes, tow classes. You know, anything that needs to be discussed on a you know an academic level, we go through that. You know, pitch control, glider control, looking at it from a third-party perspective, which brings me to the topic of video. A lot of times we'll use video. I'll record, you know, some of the training so that we can go back and review what happened. And, the per, you know, the pilot can see themselves making the wrong move. And I'll say, you know, why did you fall down right there? Well, look, you know, you... You did whatever. I mean, it, it, it varies, but it's a very useful tool to look back at yourself from an outside perspective and see what you did. Because the first thing that happens when somebody crashes, they say, hey, oh, the wind changed or, oh, I, I, the throttle was stuck, you know. And then as, as Coach Flanagan used to say in football practice, the big eye in the sky don't lie. So, you know, you go back and show them the footage and you're like, no, the wind was fine. You just messed up and you did this <laughs> instead of that. And so it's a, it's a great tool for that. So I've, I've had, I've had great success with teaching and watching people learn and 
I just love it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm eat up with it as they say. So, but that's the, that's the basically how I run the school. People often travel from out of state or out of country. Even I've had people from all over the world come through here. And, uh, most of the time the out of towners will schedule seven to 10 days, sometimes longer. And, uh, we'll, we'll do what we can in that time period. And they're welcome to stay. They're welcome to go and come back. I had, I had a few people come for a week and at the end of the week, they're having so much fun. They're like, I took off another week. I'm staying another week. Let's keep doing it. And you just keep progressing, you know, and at some point you'll leave and, and be doing it on your own. But, you know, if you, and sometimes when you're here, you're doing it on your own. There's a certain time in every pilot's progression when as an instructor, I see that they're doing the right things and they don't need me standing over there talking about left, right brakes. You know, I, I just step back and, and I just, I give them some space, give them some distance and let them do the thing on their own. You know, the self-training, if you call it that self-practice, it's, it's tough to put a word on it, but you see them having that, having that moment where they're learning without anybody teaching. And that's, that's the ultimate goal is having them progress on their own. But again, I'm there. If I see something going wrong, I can step in and say, Hey, look, if you do this differently, you'll have a better result. And it, it just works out good, man. I'm a real big fan of teaching and learning something I've been doing most of my adult life or even before that I was tutoring kids in math when I was in high school. It was something I understood and the teacher saw it and they would tell me, go, you know, go help this group, Kyle, they're struggling. And I would help the teachers teach the course, you know, with them. And same thing in college. I was, I was helping the chemistry department teach classes. I was a supplemental instructor as they called it. And then, uh, but yeah, just teaching is a, it's always been big on my list. I'm a pharmacy teacher now at my other job at the drugstore. Oh, really? I take, uh, yeah, I take students, pharmacy students, and I'm a what they call a preceptor. I make sure that, that they know how to do whatever is entailed in the training, and I'm affiliated with the pharmacy school over there at the college. So, But again, teaching, is it all goes back to teaching, and, and being able to find something that I'm passionate about, such as flying, you know, the paramotors and paragliding is, is really where, where my heart settled. Whenever I started flying, I started flying airplanes and then, you know, pushing over into the paragliders was just, I mean, I just, my heart swelled with joy when I discovered these things. That is the kind of flying that I always wanted. That's what I always dreamed of. That was, you know, as a child, I was a Superman fan. I wanted to, to just launch right off of my feet. And I can do that with a paramotor and a paraglider. And it's, it just, it gives me the giggles every single time, even after all these years. And, but being able to teach somebody this, the thing that I love so much that that just really solidifies it for me. So I'm, I'm just head over heels for it. Can't talk what, highly enough about it. I know when I'm up in there, I have a grin from ear to ear and I love every second of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing. Good medicine. Yeah, you know, the, you know the what? Latest it, video, I think I titled. What's the title? A proper dose of magic mountain medicine. That one's coming down the pipe. <laughs> ah, uh, can't wait to watch it. You you have some really good videos. I really enjoy watching your videos. They are very informative and quick and to the point. And and uh, you know, eight minutes, ten minutes goes goes by, and it's like, wow, that was awesome. Yep. Well, thanks, man. I, uh, I, I kind of class, I, I categorize them as edutainment. You know? 
you, you got to keep them somewhat entertaining or people will click off of them. But at the same time, I'm, I'm a teacher. That's what I do. So I can't not do it in the videos. I, I don't, you know, I accept no liability, but it's, uh, that's what I do, man. I can't, I can't steer away. The, the whole purpose of my YouTube channel was just to, just to throw out a genuine dose of Kylo, you know, and that's what you get when you watch my channel. And that's what you get when you're here in person getting instruction. So it, it's what I got. I got, I got no way to, to change it, hide it or, or delete it. But I think some people can edit themselves into something they're not, but that's not what I really wanted to do. I just wanted to keep it real. And I think I've done a pretty good job of it. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, when when I do my videos, I definitely put all my my butt landings and my hard landings at my turtle, which is really interesting because when I first started this, I started this way back in, in the day. I started learning about it and read everything I could and watched all the videos. And I swore that I would not sit in my seat early. I would not do that. And the very first time I went out, I sat in my seat and skidded on my knees. And I'm like, I told myself I wasn't going to do that. Now, since you're... It's uh, almost a reflex, isn't it? It is. I mean, you know, you, know, it's, you it have to train yourself not to do it. And, and that's... That's uh, true. It's and a, I found a really good technique to teach people not to do that. It's, uh, it's, it's called motor taxiing. If you if you'll just get them taxi in that thing and and tell them you're not going to launch but you're going to give it some power and run across this field, there's a moment that I can always tell when they have that. I call it the click moment when you know that they know that they just understood what it is I'm aiming for here. And and I, when I see somebody get that, I know that they're probably never going to jump in their seat again. That they know what they're feeling, and. Uh, Usually it happens on the second, third, fourth taxi run that I got them doing. And I usually pick good conditions if we got something like that. And it's it's something that, you know, conditions, that's probably the biggest topic there is, is, you know, should you go when conditions are not right? And, and I've always, you know, you got people here from out of town, they've paid you money. The expectation is that you'll teach them to fly. And so a day goes by, two days go by. Maybe the weather's not right. Maybe it's been raining. You know, they've exhibited the skills, but but we're still looking for those perfect conditions to send them up in. Obviously, it's never perfect, but, you know, if it's two miles an hour of wind, I tell them it's not the right day for you to take your first flight. That's how you get wrecked and hurt. And, you know, you're looking for some of that smooth wind so that they can just jog along and feel what they need to feel as a student. And, you know, anytime I've ever tried to go outside of that, it's, it's ended in a fumble. You know, somebody trips, falls, jumps in the seat, you know, has to run so fast that they can't actually, you know, get that, that feedback that they really need. But when you got that smooth six, seven, eight miles an hour, it's, it's like they can just jog along effortlessly and feel what they need to feel in that glider. And, and that's, that's goals, man. That's what you're looking for. Good conditions good practice, good gear, somebody in here to talk you through it. And it's almost been a hundred percent at that point. So, but yeah, if you go outside of that though, I've, I've tried it. It just, it's just more times than not. I tell myself, you should have waited Kyle, you know, you should have waited until it was better to do this. And then, uh, everybody's happier. 
But at the same time, you don't want to sit around and wait forever. So sometimes you got to push the margin slightly, but that's on a pilot to pilot basis. You know, if somebody is young and agile and healthy and, you know, they could outrun me, then, you know, maybe we can step into some four or five miles an hour and do a first flight. But then you've got guys that are older, maybe more frail, don't have exactly the speed that, that a younger sprightlier fella does. Well, then we're waiting on those better conditions. So, and it's, um, again, we tailor the training to the pilot. So if I see somebody can do it and I've got confidence in them, we'll go give it a try. And if I feel like we need to do something else, then, you know, we do something else. And that's where I, you know, an instructor really needs to, to step in and, you know, give the yay or the nay. That's important for somebody that doesn't know themselves. Yep. You know, they have confidence. They're like, sure, I can do this. And you're like, well, you think you can, and maybe you can, but I've seen some things, man. <laughs> yeah, so. I haven't been in the sport very long, but I definitely think that I've seen some things. Um, but recently, I've had some friends, new friends now, that saw us flying up in the air, and they chased us down, and they said, what is this? You're, you're up in the air with a parachute and a and a fan on your back. What is this? I want to do this. And it was really interesting because, you know, they chased us down. Now, recently, uh, we became friends. And every time we go out, I tell them to come on out and check it out. And they really like it. And they said, you know what, for 2020, we're going to do this. So we got some new people out there. And one of the funny things is, is I said, as soon as we saw this, we watched videos and they saw Tucker got go to McDonald's and then they watched crash videos. What do you think about watching crash videos? Oh, they're, they're exciting. That's what gets the views. <laughs> Ain't that yeah. the truth? Yeah, that's what, that's what, you know, you, YouTube, everybody wants to see disaster. Now watching crash videos from an uneducated perspective is, is just, Oh my God, what are we, what are we doing? You know, and then you look at them from an educated eye and, and you see what they did wrong. What was, you know, there's a reason for every time somebody crashes one of these things. And, and a big part of learning is to, is to sort of dissect that and learn why it happened. You know, what's the, you know, take the steps back and look at the root cause, you know, weather, pilot, gear, technique, you know, there's something that didn't fit right that was outside of that normal box that made that happen. And so watching crash videos can, can be viewed two different ways, you know, as a as a scary unknown, like, oh, my God, these things crash, these things stall, they fall out of the sky, they spin you to your demise. But there, there's, there's always something else, you know, there's always something else. So, again, yeah, I, I can see it from both perspectives there. I've, I've watched them as a uneducated person but you know i say uneducated i i knew a lot about flying before i even picked up paragliding so i've never looked at it exactly with virgin eyes so to speak like you know i knew i, I knew a lot about you know how things fly before i ever even touched a paraglider or saw one in real life and uh even then i knew you know, a little about it but it, it's you know, again, an, an uneducated person looking, when I say uneducated, I mean educated about paragliding, obviously, you know. And, the, uh, and also before your first flight, too, because 
I watched all these things. I did not know exactly what happened, but I tell you what, after flying and going through uh, school, I can watch these crash videos and go, oh, he did. He had his he had his breakdown too far on the right, or you know he 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 didn't hold the uh, A's long enough, and uh, he went yeah. up too quick and his he had a riser twist because of the way he clipped in, you know things like that. It's like it's, it's pretty cool that you can actually see this and be able to dissect it with not a lot of time in the air. Yeah, and as an instructor, that's one of the big things I'm doing on the fly. You know, when somebody's in real time making a mistake, I've got to be able to spot it, call it, and correct it as it's happening. So, you know, outside of video, in in real life, I'm doing the same thing every day that I've got students out there watching them and talking with them. You know, I see again, I see somebody going to pull brake too much. I've got to I've got to call that before it turns into a problem. Right, and it's um. Again, that that's where a, that's where a good instructor comes into play, having the the experience and the time studying it to to call it quick and uh, prevent something versus you know wipe the dust off afterward. That's uh, you know, and I've done both. I've done both. There's no there's no perfect instructor. There's no best gear. There's no. It's always a different scenario. There's always something that could be tuned or honed or sharpened and. And that's that's our job as pilots and students and instructors is to is to constantly strive for that for that better scenario and uh, make things happen properly. So a lot of the videos that I watched of you, like that one with the dust devil, I did not realize that the dust devil kind of came down at an angle like that. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of a lot of them do. Sometimes they don't. I mean, it depends on how strong the winds are, but. If the winds are strong, you know, thermals, dust devils, even tornadoes, they'll they'll lean way over. Yeah. And uh, you can see it in tornado videos. Some of them are, are stretched way out across the sky, and some of them are just coming straight down out of the cloud. And it's no different when you when you talk about a, a thermal or a dust devil or even a tornado or, or on a hurricane on the largest scale. You know, it's all kind of the same phenomenon going down there. And that's that's what you're looking at so uh you know even a dust devil way up it's just a big strong thermal i've i've entered several at uh thousands of feet above the ground and you know they're dust devils because there's a a bajillion leaves in them or a corn uh, husk or dirt or whatever you know you know what's going on down on the ground even if you don't see where the base is you know you get in it and you're going up like crazy with all the debris Obviously, it was a it was a little dusty that picked up all that stuff that, that brought it up into the sky where you're at. So I've had I've had encounters with them most of the time high up. That was the lowest I've ever contacted one in that video, and it was just a just kind of a it was a small dust devil. I just kind of hit the edge of it. It wasn't anything dramatic or exciting for me. I didn't even know I'd done it at first until I got to looking over to the side. I was like, oh hell, I think I did hit that thing. And it was. <laughs> That's one of the it things that. It makes sense to me in the in the afterthought, but you know, in the moment, I'm just flying the glider. I'm out there, you know. That's me practicing my moves. I'm out there in the big conditions, you know, trying to sharpen my skills in the gnarly stuff because that's that's where i like to be that scares me so much is to to think about yeah it should that's that's not for. I mean, I've flown almost every day for six years on these things, and I'm I'm just now to the point where I can do this and feel somewhat in control. You know, you take you take somebody even 
even with two or three years experience of, of serious experience. And even then they're probably not ready to step off into those type of conditions, but somebody that has six, seven, 10 years of doing it and they've seen it and felt it and they know the moves to make and it, and the moves become almost reflexive too. what you're supposed to do and how to fly that glider actively. Mm-hmm. It, it shouldn't be anything you even think about. It should be just a reflex. And, and that's kind exactly. of where, where I'm at with my personal flying now is, is just making the moves reflexively based on what's happening. And that's why and that's, kiting is so important. You got to know your wing. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can learn a lot kiting for sure. One of the it's things a, that I'm worried about is when I'm flying is hitting some sort of wind shear and having my, my wing collapse. Um, you know, as, I think as newbies, that's like, that's like the scariest thing right there is so having, how would you prevent that? Let me ask you as a, as a teacher to student, how would you prevent that? Well, what I've been doing is I've been, there's a couple of apps and what I've been doing is making sure that the wind at different levels um, are not shearing. Exactly. That's the right answer. You're looking at your winds aloft. Yes. Your winds aloft forecast, the strength, the direction, and direction change. And even if it's all blowing the same way, if you have, you know, a really strong increase in the speed, it basically equates to having wind blowing opposite directions at half the speed. Yeah. So it, it's so it's a very important thing to check before you go up is is the wind speeds aloft and make sure that that's within limits. So and you don't see yeah, that very much. Perfectly on... preventable, and some people just go. They don't even they don't even look at that stuff, and that's just a it's just a screw up to not check out everything you can check out before you go. That's that's fundamental piloting one hundred and one is check the conditions, check the air, check the weather forecast. All that stuff is done before you even go to the field. You know, that's, again, if you're rushing and you skip those steps, that could lead to an accident later on. So so it's important to to go through all the motions. And, and the only time I really mess up these days is by skipping something. And it, whether it be a hurry or a not, it's still a screw-up. So that's that's what I've learned as I've gotten older into the sport. So what do you think is the most important thing that a student needs to know? The wind, the uh, weather, his gear? What, what do you think is the most important thing that, that a new student needs to learn? Well, there is no most important. It's all important. You have to know all of these things. So you when know, somebody whatever. gets on YouTube and they're like, well, you know, I can kite my wing and I can go up, I can self-train, they missed a lot of stuff, right? I, I, I don't know. It, it, some people, yes, some people know. I mean, if all they've ever done is kited their wing, in what conditions, you know? Have they kited it in zero wind and strong wind? I don't, I don't Have they only done reverse kiting? You know, do they know how to turn around? Have they worn a motor? It's, it's, all, it's all such a, and again, that's why I tailor the school to each pilot, because some people may have never done these things. Some people may have, and... I, I guess I guess what I'm saying eight months kiting and they've never put on a motor and then you put a motor on and it's like they don't know what to do. They're totally lost. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's really no most important thing. It's all important. What I like to do personally and what I push my students to do is to practice the thing that you're weakest at. You know, whatever you don't have the most of, that's what you want to work on. 
you know, say you've only done forward launches in zero wind, and that's the only you're good at that. But when the wind starts blowing, you you never do it. So you you know you're not good at it. So that's what you want to practice. You want to step into the stuff that you're least good at. Just just be well rounded. You know, it's important to flex everything. Say you're not so good at understanding the weather. Maybe you should spend some time studying on weather phenomenon and learning how that stuff works. That's going to give you an edge on picking the right days to go. So there's no best thing, but the best thing you can do is either study or practice what you're weakest at. And that's going to make you stronger overall. And that's where you'll win. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of things that you don't know because you don't know to know it and you know you see a lot of people that see to me i think i think flying is easy you know you get the wing over your head flying flying is easy yeah you get the wing over your head yeah you you mash the throttle and you're in the air and tell them squeeze the gas and you can actually get them into the air i mean there's nothing to hit up there if it's good air then any, just about anybody, you could teach a monkey to fly. But, I, 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 I you know, totally agree that. When it comes that. time to land or to, you know, do a proper taxi launch or, you know, pick the pick the direction you're coming in to land, it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's flying is actually quite easy. You know, it's the ground handling. It's the study. It's the understanding, the, the pitch control. You know, these are the things that, that need to be practiced and honed and, you know, that's, that's flying is kind of the reward for putting in all the work on the ground that you should do. It's, um, it's pretty neat. I enjoy teaching it. I enjoy learning. Yeah. I, I, th- I think, yeah, I think you're right. You know, flying is easy. There's nothing about that, but you got to know the weather and, and you got to know where, you know, you got to know your airspace. So there's a lot of things that you Even need to know. Up the gear. What if you set up your gear totally wrong and, you know, you end up in a stinking riser twist or something because you didn't know how to balance your 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 thrust line and your hang points. And, you know, something as basic as that. It's your, where are your leg straps too loose and you can't get in your seat? I'm going to tell you, know, you a secret, these, Kyle. Every, I'm going to tell you a secret. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a secret that I haven't posted yet. But maybe by the time right. that this thing's posted, it's going to be up there. This last flight, I, what I did is I got a new harness and I wanted to try the new harness, so I put it on. Um, my motor and I didn't strap it in right. And when I had it on my back and I was going full throttle, you know, I, I was holding the A's going full throttle, you know, right before I'm ready to take off, the whole thing slipped off my back and just fell. Uh-oh. Yeah. Cause I, I did, cause you're supposed to, well, I can't, I can't show you, but there's a way of doing it correctly, and I did it incorrectly. Thank goodness I caught it on the ground because I can't imagine what would have happened if I was taxiing and went up in the air and then it slipped off. Yeah, that would have yeah, been really so. bad. Don't don't tell anybody I said that. There that's you a, go. I'll, I'll keep it a secret. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's like things that you don't know, you don't know, and they could really hurt you or kill you. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's where instruction comes in. You know, I'm I'm a fan of it. Obviously, obviously, but, <laughs> obviously, right, right. But I'm also a fan of of you know the alone time. That's also important to spend some time alone with it. Once you've 
once you've had some instruction and you understand and doing the right moves, you know, there's something to be said for going out there by yourself and, and practicing those moves all alone without anybody watching, just you and the birds. And that's, that's where you're probably going to pick up most of it. You talking about but flying or just ground handling? All of it. I, I still haven't, I still haven't flown without a group of people around me yet. I, I'm, I'm, I'm too chicken. You should try it. Yeah, I'm too just chicken. Go to a, just go to a good spot. Do some basic flights. Just do, just do a circle. Take off, climb out, fly around, and do a landing. You know, pick perfect conditions, a good open area. Throw your wing bag out on the ground and try to try to land on it. That's that's the game I played the first six months I flew alone was, you know, approach practice. I would go up and practice 10, 15 approaches. And I would go over my target. I would go to idle. And then I would try to circle around and, and come in on a proper approach. That would put me landing right on top of my wing bag in the middle of a field. And if I could, I could see, you know, from 100 feet up if I was going to hit it or miss it overshoot it or undershoot it and i would give it the gas and go back up 500 feet a thousand feet whatever go back to idle come back around try it again see how close i could get just on a glide and then when it came time to land i could i could just come in and i had that approach down i tried in high winds i tried in low winds you know the glide angles change every time the conditions change and that's what really got me tuned in to to how to hit a spot landing was just to practice approaches only did one landing but i would do you know 10 20 approaches every flight and that's what makes you good is being able to fly it in there the the landings are always about the same but actually getting in there to land is where you find the differences yeah i I like i like flying with a group of people now we all get together and you know they go do there's your there's your weak spot you need to practice your weak spot flying alone Something to think about. Mm, yeah, maybe like, maybe when I feel more confident. See, to me, it's like, what happens if I tripped and hurt my ankle and I couldn't move? I couldn't go anywhere. You know, it's gotta like... Gotta have comms with you. Gotta have a communication device. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm still checking. You know, that, I will eventually. I'm I'm still checking. We got a, we got a family it's, it's farm. Nothing. We got a family it's farm totally about, about 300 acres. And I could easily go out there and fly around, but you know, it's out in the middle of nowhere and you know, yeah, having comms is great, but what happens if, you know, they fall or they break or, you know, there's no internet connection. Maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it too much, but you know, to me, it's like, I I just want a video about that. That's not published yet. Uh, It's coming soon. Someone asked a question, same, same situation as you, Uh, you know, I've, I've not flown. I had a buddy. We always flew together. He moved away. And now I don't know if I want to fly alone. I'm, 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 like, I'm scared to do it. And I, you know, the, the trick with it is, you know, have, have a contact, a loved one, you know, a friend, somebody tell them, look, uh, if you don't, if you don't hear from me by seven 30, you know, maybe something's wrong. I'm going to be here. And then, then you've got a, 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 an out. If you do get hurt, you know, you're not laying there all night. If your friend or your acquaintance or your loved one, doesn't get a call or a text from you like, Hey, I made it. I'm cool. You know, they know where to go, how to come look. And, and if you're at the spot you said you're going to be, then 
okay, I'm out here with a broke leg. <laughs> that doesn't sound leg. fun at all. <laughs> no, no, but but again, it's it's a safety net. It's something right. to, to be considerate of, and, and that would be kind of a backup, you know, if you did crunch your phone or didn't have the, the way to, to contact them or no service, then there's a backup plan. You know, that, that's something you could do. And the guys that I fly with are, are are pretty. Aren't you the experience of flying all alone? <laughs> yeah, well, these guys that I, that I'm with are are pretty uh, pretty good at at what they're doing, including the weather. And even though I'm looking at my weather apps and stuff like that, they have they have other things and 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 experience. So I kind of when they say this is good weather and they go up and fly around and on the comms are like, yeah, it's, it's kind of bumpy up the first uh, hundred feet, but after that it's smooth as butter. I'm like, okay. And then I look at my apps and I try to figure out, all right, so this is what's going on right now. This is what the app says. So this is probably what's going to happen again in the future. So it's kind of given me experience with the weather patterns too. So I, you know, I don't go out yeah. by myself and do something silly. No, no, don't, don't, again, if, if you have a, a question, if it's questionable to you, you know, it's always better to not go. Yeah. But if everything looks good and everything says it's going to be good, it's probably going to be good. You know, as long as the bumps are one thing, but dangerous bumps are something else completely. Exactly. You know, there's a, there's a confidence that you'll find in your equipment and, and turbulence. It's called bump tolerance. And that's something that comes with experience and time and, you know, after a while, you realize like a certain level of turbulence, you could just fly through hands off and nothing's going to happen. You'll feel it. The glider moves around, but there's no ill will that comes of it. You know, you just something you feel and you realize, oh, well, that's nothing to be nervous about. Right. Obviously, gla glassy air is amazing. You know, it's just what we live for. But, you know, stepping out a little bit at a time is not a bad thing either. You know, that's how you gain experience is by is by putting a next step into that deeper water, you know, going into a little bit bumpier air, you know, not, not any leaps or cannonballs, just, just that next step. Right. Nice and, and slow. Then, right. Nothing. Yeah, don't yeah. don't wade, rush it wade into the deep end slowly. You're not doing a cannonball here. So, you know, if you, if five miles an hour is, you know, you get comfortable with that, you know, fly when it's seven and then, you know, step up to when it's nine. And, uh, and you'll get to a point where you're like, okay, I don't like this, but that's why you pick days where things are decreasing. Right. So you always look for the trend to be going downward. So if the winds are, you know, 10 miles an hour, going to drop down to three by sunset, well, then go out there and see how that 10 feels. And if it's too much for you, just know that it's only going to get better from there. Yeah. What you don't want to do is go out when it's nine supposed to be increasing to 15 and you go out there and nine and you don't like it well it's only going to get worse from right. there so so these are the things you want to look at as a as a green pilot you know is it is it going to get easier or is it going to get harder so again you look at the trend what all the forecasts are saying and that should be your your whether you should or shouldn't decision right there winds aloft surface winds you know watch your wind suck there's a formula, man, and it all it all has to come together. And every day's different. Every day's a little bit different. But like you start to find similarities. You know, you start yeah. to see things that okay. So the wind blows, and it's easy to launch. But then as the night goes on, it gets it gets totally zero. You know, if you launch when there's a little wind, it's helpful. It gives you some assistance. 
and then it dies out. If you wait until it dies out, it actually makes it quite a bit harder to launch. Even though the air's good, you, you realize, damn, I should have, after you blow three or four of them, you're like, I should have went an hour ago when there was a little bit of wind left. Right. And that, that would have been a better flight, an easier launch. So things to consider, my friend, things to consider. Yeah, uh, I'm still, I'm probably one of the guys that goes way too slow because I really want to just develop the the experience and I don't want to jump anything too soon. And I do have a bunch of people that that are like, hey, you know, let's go fly. The weather's going to be great. Let's come over here to this side. And, you know, well, I'm like, well, how about the other place we went? They're like, no, the winds are too strong. And it's still kind of hard for me to see on the apps why one side of the town is good while the other side isn't and when you have a easterly wind or westerly wind i'm still learning that it's it's pretty interesting it, it really is oh, yeah. and yeah it, go go feel it out figure it out it's that's part of it really interesting so let's just say that somebody wants to get started doing this they listen to this podcast like carlo sounds like he's a pretty cool cat uh, how do they get up with you, and and um, where do they find you on social media? Oh, yeah, I'm all over Facebook and YouTube, obviously. Um, contact is probably email would be the easiest. It's the Kyle O. School of Paramotor at gmail.com, and send me an email. And then at that point, we'll get in contact. We'll switch out phone numbers. I would post my phone number up, but I don't answer cold calls, so it's kind of pointless. you got to text me first. Before I'll answer a call, I've got to get a contact in there before I'll answer it. Spammers got me gun shy, man. I just don't answer calls anymore. I quit a few years ago, and life is much better when I, I don't know that number. <laughs> right? Did you send? But, did but you send ten thousand dollars to the uh, the prince overseas because you won that million dollars or something? No, sir. I, I didn't <laughs> buy the security system or the insurance or the debt forgiveness plan or anything else they were selling. So. I just, I just quit answering the phone, you know, right. if, if a name shows up, if, if I get your name, I will put it in my phone. And if you call me, I'll answer it, but I don't answer numbers. And that's just, you know, it's kind of odd running a, running a business that way, but that's the way I do it. And, you know, people contact me, Facebook messenger. If you're in some people don't Facebook, obviously, but that's one way I, I usually check that every day or two. Same thing with the email every day or two, I'll go on there and, see if I have any contacts and you know, at that point we'll, uh, we'll, I like to establish, uh, communications with a phone call. That tends to be the easiest way to kind of feel somebody out and see what they want and answer their questions. And, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's the best way to do it. Probably. Do you Instagram at all message or I do, but it's, you know, it's on the back burner. I've got so many other irons in the fire. I tried, I tried Instagramming, but, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know. Do, <laughs> I do put you, an occasional picture up do, or something. <laughs> do you tweet? Do you tweet also, or I've never tweeted. Before, never tweeted. Man. Okay. I got too many gray hair for that. I guess. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! It was really good talking with you. Uh, I, I really appreciate your time, and um, you know maybe we can chat again sometime. Hell, eventually go flying. I know that last flying. That you came in over here, I missed it. You came in on Sunday. I was there on Saturday and, and totally missed oh, yeah. you. Well, we're not too far down the road from each other, you know? Not really. Not really at all. But, you know, summer's rolling around and there's going to be a lot of flying. So, 
And you've got you apparently you've got a close gaggle there, so that's nice. We I, got a good. I gaggle. didn't have that luxury. I flew for basically two years without anybody else. That was that was kind of. I don't know. That's kind of the the where I found my joy in it is all alone. You know, and I didn't even put a camera on until I had done it for two solid years. Wow, then, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, made sure that I was I was good at flying before I ever you know posted anything or did any sort of social media or youtube involving that <laughs> and here i am posting my my butt landings and stuff and even, my turtles before they <laughs> before they even get a paramotor they've got their gopro on their helmet ready to go yeah and um, i'm like man you should probably focus on the other stuff first right and that's uh anyway something to be said for it absolutely well man thank you so much i truly appreciate it, it was awesome talking yeah, with man. you no worries, Sean. We'll, we'll talk soon, I hope. Definitely. All right, man. All right, later. It's been fun. All right, this is Grandpa from the Future. I uh, the, today it's it's the next day, and I was listening to them. I'm like, wow, that's that's really good information. So I I actually wrote down three takeaways from that interview. Uh, before your first flight, I really like what he said. Pretend your glider will not pull you up and support your weight. So just taxi and run as far as you can. And before you know it, all of a sudden you're up in the air. If I would have used that technique, I bet I would have not have sat down uh, before I was up in the air. So I really wish I would have listened or knew about this beforehand. So hopefully, if you have not taken your first flight, that's a good tip. Just run and pretend that you're just going to keep on running. And the, the weight, your weight will not support underneath the glider. And, God, I wish I would have known that. Secondly, learn from crash videos. You know, what, what, what happened? Was it the weather, the pilot, gear, technique? And, of course, once you get up in the air and you're doing stuff, you know, don't do anything silly or stupid. I'm, I, I'm still, to this point, I just used the tips during recently on my Roadster 3. Um, I, I just started using the 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 tabs and, and pulling in and out and, and trying to figure out things and kind of doing, you know, S turns and stuff. So I really, man, you watch Tucker out there and, and Woody and Mark Honeycutt, you see these people do all these crazy things. It's like, Oh man, I'm going to go ahead and do that. It is, it is not as easy as it looks. I mean, it looks so easy and you get up there and you're like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't want to fall out of the sky. And that, Brings me to point three, flying is easy, you know, get the glider overhead, mash the throttle, and you're pretty much up in the air as long as you have enough thrust. But, you know, what you really need to learn is the weather, the winds of loft, yeah, when to fly, the maintenance of your motor, uh, pre-flight checks, glider maintenance, your airspace, uh, what to do with the winds of loft, uh, what if there's a glider collapse, taxiing, reverse, and forward launching, your gear setup thrust line, proper uh, clip-in, and of course, the harness connection. Shh, don't tell nobody. But uh, anyway, those were the three things that that I took away from this. So let's go ahead and finish up this and, uh, and get out of here. And I totally appreciate you being here listening to this podcast. If you want to be on this podcast, get up with me at ppggrandpa at gmail.com. If you have a story, if you are new and have never flown before, I, I really would like to hear your story. If you got your first solo, I want to hear your story. 
anything that's interesting. If you have interviewed somebody or know somebody that you can interview them, whip out that phone, do an interview, and send it to me. And this is the reason why I started paratalk.org. I want other people to be a host, find some interesting stories, interesting things about paramotors or paragliding, and, and help educate and help share this knowledge. I mean, there are a lot of pilots out there, a lot of people that want to get into this, and I think that would be the best way to do that. So thank you again. Thank you, Kyle O, for your time, and thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Sean Simons, PPG Grandpa, signing off from our Episode 2 of Paratalk.org. Catch you next time.